Hello there. Welcome to the wrap-up um, part of Infrequency. Um, and this is basically the podcast we do that we can't fit under the Temporary Fandoms banner or the Movement Scenes and Genres banner. Um, but if this is your first time, none of that means anything to you. I am Ewan. And today we are wrapping up um, an album from one of the bands we covered on Temporary Fandoms about a year ago, and they have only gone and released something new. Um, if you want to find out more about Temporary Fandoms, Movement Scenes and Genres, or this show, um, please visit infrequency.co.uk, and you'll find a lot of the track, a lot of the pods you can listen to with music, legally streamed from our Mixcloud, and some are just podcasts. Um, if you want to Go back and dive through all the Spoon albums in one go with most of today's guests. Um, find that find that Temporary Fandoms episode over there. And or for select subscribers, woo we have three. Um, it's about three euro, dollar, pounds a month. Um, there's a version um, which is on our Mixcloud, uh, which has about 14, 15 Spoon tracks all the way through. Kind of like a greatest hits, but with people introducing the albums and talking and full tunes right i've been talking for way too long so let's see what we're doing today um about a week ago when we were recording this spoon released their new album lucifer on the sofa so we have got most of the gang from last year back together um first of all someone who has pretty much joined us on our podcast journey right from the start uh episodes on bowie love Bjork, Das Racist. Did I miss anything out, Emily? I, th- I think I, th- was that everything? I think that's everything. And Spoon, of course. And Spoon. Tonight's at Spoon. <laughs> it's Emily Baldoni. Emily, welcome back. Hello, lovely to be here. Thank you ever so much. We'll we'll have we'll get cracking on the chat in a bit. Also rejoining us is author of The Accidental Terrorist, Confessions of a Reluctant Missionary, and Hugo and Nebula Award winner. And you're also doing some substack short story thing at the moment as well william shun yep uh it's great to be back a lot of fun uh i have to say only a nebula and hugo nominee haven't won yet Ah! (laughs) but thanks for the Uh, thanks for the promotion (laughs) i'll rephrase that future hugo and nebula award winner that's william shun i'm not editing that out i'm just gonna leave that in (laughs) no it's great thank you ever so much Thank you ever so much for coming coming back. And for those of you who have listened to our pods before, particularly the old the spoon one or any of them, you you may be expecting my 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 podcast partner Nick, um, who would would be bringing the voice of reticence maybe to spoon as most of us were quite positive. Um, but Nick is off in the UK. He has left me a one sentence review, which I'll get to later. So I thought I'll maybe I'll replace him with someone who is most definitely not reticent towards Spoon, host of the incredible I Turn My Podcast On podcast. And if you like Spoon and podcasts, which I assume you do uh, as you're here, go listen to that one. It, we have Spoon, can I say Uber fan? Tyler Darling. Hi, thank you. Hello. Yeah, you can say however you like to describe me. Not a problem. <laughs> I never had <clears throat> so much urge to cough besides those three minutes where you said I couldn't talk. <laughs> Did, Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. And good, good seeing y'all. Okay, perfect. So, I mean, what we'll do, we've never done an episode where we've just looked at one episode, one 
album. So what we're going to do is basically talk through some context, talk through some of the songs. Um, if you're on Mixcloud or on our homepage, we'll play a few songs. Um, and that's basically it. So right, where we left off at the end of the discography was Hot Thoughts, which was what? Seems like it seems like years ago. 2017. Five years ago? Five years wow. ago, yeah. And that was and that was the ninth studio album by Spoon and the one that went a bit princey, basically. Um and now now five years later, we've got this new album. Um let's have a bit of a chat, first of all, by how this got made. Um I'm always fascinated by what band members have left, what band members have joined. I, I get a bit obsessed by certain producers, um, one which I'll mention in a bit. Um, Tyler, as you're new, I'm going to come straight to you and, and hopefully not make you cough. Um, why did this take so long? Was it just COVID? And did that really impact things? Yeah. Uh, so they, there's basically two phases of the record. They They started working on it soon after uh, Hot Thoughts, and they had nearly half of it done. They had almost a full album worth of songs and then the pandemic shut things down. And then they all kind of had a time to, uh, re reanalyze some of the music and they ended up writing some of their best songs post or during that pandemic period from April, 2020 to now. Um, so there's that. And I think every, I mean, they toured on that record till the, uh, hmm, end of 20 mid 2019 uh when i saw them i saw them in the summer of 2019 and um so that's typical spoon fashion they, they always want to put out a record sooner if you ask them but there's the promotion there's touring and whatnot and they, they tour a lot so that that tour actually because of yeah there's been two years of covid and then maybe i i didn't go for, to a gig for a year or two before that the last proper gig i went to was actually spoon in london um which seems a whole different world. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, BC before COVID. Um, okay. So the last two albums, before we move on, as much as I love them, there's a certain producer who I've never got, never really got to grips with. And that's Dave Friedman. Dave Friedman often turns up and goes, you know what? Can I just turn everything up all the way? And for some bands it works and for some bands it doesn't. I think Spoon got away with it, <laughs> but Bill, um, do we have Dave Freeman today? We've got Dave Friedman on a couple of tracks, right? He produced uh, track seven, if I'm remembering right, on the radio, and although he didn't mix that one, and then he's the mixer on uh, the last track, Lucifer on the Sofa, um, and I did not really find the Dave Fridman-ness to be overriding the spoonness on either of those tracks. I think he was, he was pretty restrained for, for what he does, especially if you're thinking about what he does with the flaming lips or things like that. Well, it was flaming lips, but also we, we did an episode on number girl, Japanese band. Um, he, he came in, turned all the dials up. I remember, um, oh, clap your hands, say, yeah. Second album was just, everything was up to 11. You could hardly hear what was going on. And, Flaming Lips, it kind of worked, and but you could even hear you could even hear um, with not the last album but the one before they want my saw certain tracks were just so loud throughout and loud because everything was done post 
production, so to speak. Um, we're going to get cracking, I think, on the album, and we'll take detours as we go. Um, over the last two months, Spoon have released a couple of songs to whet people's appetite, um, but we start off not even with a Spoon song. Uh, we start start off with a Bill Callahan smog song from what ninety nine, um, which I believe is a a live favorite and held. Um, for me, this album starts off a bit like Gaga Gaga Ga. Um, it sounds almost this these first few tracks we're going to get through. There's a Gaga Gaga Ga sort of don't make me a target meets transference kind of vibe I'm getting here. Um, Emily, I'm going to come straight to you because I haven't yet. Um, how did this non-spoon spoon track catch you when you when when, when you when you first opened? There, there, bah. Emily, I'm going to come straight to you as I've just re-recorded this and edited that first bit out. Um, how did this Bill Callahan uh, cover uh, start the album for you or open the album for you? Well, I feel like it's a it's a pretty um, it's an appropriate starting to the album because I feel like it does a good job of sort of announcing the tone of the album, right? Like it's to me, um, I mean, both this song and the album as a whole, it's a much more kind of like straight ahead, um, maybe even more sort of conventional kind of rock sound than especially the previous couple of albums. Um, it's got this particular track, especially it has a lot of swagger to it. Um I haven't decided what I think kind of comparing it to, I've gone back and listened to like a couple of uh, versions of the original song that they're covering. Actually, I know there's, there's a smog version and there's um, uh, one uh, like a live version that I've heard by Bill Callahan as well, that has like some crazy sort of almost like honky tonk strings in it. So it was sort of interesting to listen to that back to back with this and hear how the guitar is doing things that's that are done by other, other instruments and other versions of the song. Um, and I don't know. There's, I don't. I, I don't know if the comparison made me like it more or not. That's a little bit of a hedgy <laughs> thing to um, say. It's interesting you mentioned the guitar. Mm. I mean, I didn't go over the usual thing of like who's here and who, which uh, band members have stayed around and which ones not. But they've got like a guitarist now, right? Mm. I mean, they're a band that always had guitar but never really had a lead guitarist playing sort of solos and whatnot uh, and suddenly there's this big crashing guitar riff it's very throughout the album, and it's, it's very much in the forefront i felt like the guitar i noticed um it's, it felt like a much much more guitar heavy album than certainly anything that they've done recently um and i i i don't get me wrong i love a good guitar i wasn't sure how i felt about it in in this case though um okay uh, okay um bill um where are you on the swagger, no honky tonk, uh, guitar um, opener? Well, I I I'm all in on this opener. I, the guitars come in; they're more a lot more distorted than we're used to hearing in a spoon track, and it just it it captured me immediately. Um, I I thought it was a really a really choice opener, and Emily's right; it really does set the tone for what follows. There's sort of some thematic connections between this and at least the next two or three songs. Um, and I think it's also just a really confident choice to start their 10th album with someone else's song. I mean, there's usually a cover song on there, but Spoon is so uh, confident about what they're doing, what their direction is, that they're, they're fine playing someone else's song at the beginning of their long-awaited album. 
Um, you both mentioned this this idea of the opener setting the tone for the rest of the album, and my my mind is now racing back through previous albums, and they seem to have done this very well throughout. Um, the opener of you know of Hot Thoughts, uh, opener of uh, Ga 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 Ga, uh, all of these opening tracks are oh this is this album we're listening to now. Oh here's a sort of princey jangle jangle one. Here's a very well big produced one. Here's a bit of a rock album. Um, Tyler, um, were you wanting to hear a spoon track or do you think that they made this their own? Yeah, I I did think they make it their own. Uh, again, I. I've heard of Bill Callahan solo stuff years and years ago. It was recommended to me on my YouTube and I, and I kind of forgot and they played this song. I remember reading about it at some point that they played this song in the early two thousands, the band covered it. Um, and, but I never looked it up. I looked it up around the same time when the track list got uh, announced and I, I listened to both of them around the same time. So I, I you know, I, I don't have a, preciousness with the original like some people do and of course i i, I think the production sounds really good I, I like i like the drums a lot i like when they have that drum break and they have those big drums and then both the guitars come in really heavy um so yeah i think it works and i i do i definitely echo what bill said it, it's it's a lot of confidence to open up with a cover and uh again it they they've had two other albums with the same structure with like 10 tracks, one of them being a cover, which is they want my soul and ga 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 ga. And many people say that's some of their best albums. I'm, I'm not going to say that here yet, but uh, I like it. I, I was, I was I, hesitant. I'm, 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 my brain is now going, I seem to remember Bill, were you transference or they want my soul when, when you were as in your favorite album? Oh boy. I think I was, <laughs> I don't remember what I said was my favorite. It changes all the time, but out of those two, it probably would have been transference. Um, yeah. My brain is just sort of flying back through all these things. Um, so we've mentioned already mentioned the production before we move on to the next track. I've, I've I said on the previous podcast and, and lots of people have said, it's almost like the fifth beetle, so to speak of spoon is production. You know, often that every single riff note uh, sound has been honed to the nth degree. There was an awesome um, uh, song exploder um, of one of the spoon tracks of Inside Out. Yeah, and where they sort of went, it started like this, then we added this, then we did this, then we did this, then we did this. Um, this is the opposite. This is a. These are a bunch of songs they went and played a lot, and then they just basically got into a room and just plugged everything in, which I think is also on this opener, this sort of fake, um, so to speak. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, one, two, one, two. Uh, can, can you have a bit of mic, please? Um, Tyler. Well, so I just found out the exact reason for that. There's this live tweeting of, about the record. Just happened like minutes ago in real time. Um, so there's actually, that song has two mixes. It was take two and take five, and they merged them together. That's why you hear that... Uh, uh, that's Mark Rank and their producer. So that's kind of interesting. They did that on other songs, Chicago at Night. They took two mixes of a song, put it on each channel, and then added weird stuff. But uh, just as you were mentioning that, I, I just thought of that. So yeah, Mark Rankin was the main producer. Uh, Bill mentioned we had Friedman on a couple tracks. Mike McCarthy actually mixed this track, who produced with Britt and Jim their four stellar albums, Girls Can Tell, through Ga 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 Ga. So 
take that for what you will. I, I, Girls Can Tell was the one that I was... <laughs> but I, I, I have been pulled up for it since. And I've also changed my mind. But I tend to do that after making loud proclamations about it. It happens. Um, um, before we move on, is anybody else looking at any live tweets about the Spoon album that we can get some information on? No. Right. <laughs> so um, the, the, first, the first song that sort of landed um what a month two months ago maybe um was the next track the hardest cut um i'm i'm gonna be lazy but the band have also said i mean this is this is their zz top song right i mean this is pure texas zz top what two and a half minutes um big drop um i thought this was fucking great and I still do, and I still play it constantly. And and going back to the words you said, uh, Emily, when I'm listening to this and I'm walking back from from the pub, I swagger. <laughs> oh my god, do I swagger! And this is the heaviest thing they've they've done. I mean, there's some punkier stuff back in there, but this is the heaviest thing they've done. Um, Emily, mm-hmm. I mean, would you said you like a guitar? You're not sure about how you felt about the guitars in the first one. I mean, the the first two tracks of this album really. Mm-hmm set the yeah. staller and they are flying out and this is their big guitar track it's got riffs it's got solos and does it have the emily baldoni seal of approval <laughs> i i do like this one i do and i felt like um just in terms of the sequencing it's nice after uh you know the first track held is is kind of a slow and it's it's got swagger but it's also very deliberate in a way and then this one comes in with a nice kind of contrast it's it's um it's faster it's got those snappy little kind of percussive bits um, that kind of nice little wriggly kind of baseline. So yeah, I I like this one a lot. Um, I do wonder. Uh, I don't know if this is something we want to talk about now or <laughs> put a pin in for later. But I am. Let's do it. Let's do it. Why not? I am just curious. We have no plan. You know, because what we were talking about <laughs> in terms of like um, different different way in which they you know sort of recorded this album compared to some others. I'd heard along with that that sort of they. Um, were kind of going to capture their more more of their live sounds that they had sort of been playing like tracks from the previous albums and felt like they sounded better live and that that's what part of what they were trying to do with this album. I am kind of curious as much as I as I said I do I like I like this second track a lot but I don't actually personally apart from some of those uh, kind of little things uh, like those little words in the background that we talked about in the first track I don't get a lot of a live vibe or that sort of that looser vibe from this album, which, you know, often what I actually kind of want from Spoon is I actually want them to, to loosen up just a little bit. And I don't, I think, don't know if I got I think it. That's, uh, no, I think, I think that's a key point. Yeah. And I think we mentioned it last time you were on. Um, when I, when I, the, the one time I got to see them live, because you know, I, I don't live in the UK and I had to fly back when they, when they were playing, I did feel they were always just about to go crazy. And they never went crazy, um, but I, I do think I think this sounds like a live. Um, but just in terms of sound, you can hear the drums resonating through the room. You can hear it sounds like a band in the room, and it doesn't sound like there's all this extra stuff here, there, and everywhere. And while some of the earlier albums were very sparse, oh, I can hear this, this, this. This just sound like a band just going bam. Um, Bill. Um, ZZ Top, where'd you stand on ZZ Top? <laughs> I love ZZ Top, especially really early ZZ Top. Uh, give me the 70s over the 80s. But uh, I love... I know nothing about ZZ Top. <laughs> I just have, or, or as I call them, ZZ Top. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you, you should never say that if you're in Texas. 
tops, man. <laughs> uh, but I, I've, I love this track and I've loved it from the first moment that I heard it. And it's for two months, it's been stuck in my head. And I'm not upset about that. And I've got two or three different thoughts about this. First of all, um, this seemed like uh, uh, w- when this single came out, I was very excited because it seemed to point in the same direction that their previous single, No Bullets Spent, had pointed. And we didn't really talk about that last time, but uh, that came out before their greatest hits album or their you know best of album. Uh, and it was it was punchier and rockier than uh, the couple of more dancey albums that had come before that and so the hardest cut just seemed to continue in that vein it was very exciting to see spoon going in kind of a harder rockier direction after uh after those previous change-ups um and it it came in just roaring so hard chugging like zz top and like you say it it might not be the loosest thing they've done but it's like a it's like a fucking uh monster truck just cruising down a highway uh nothing's gonna stop it um and so the first time i heard it it seemed so hard that it was interesting today when I went back and listened to the album straight through uh, to prepare for this. Again, I've listened to this new album, you know, probably a dozen times now in the last five days. Um, it was interesting that as hard as it seemed the first time I I heard it, the guitars come in uh, in sequence and they're not quite as distorted as as on the first track. It sounds cleaner. And I think you keep getting cleaner and cleaner guitars on every track as as we proceed for the first few uh, tracks, which I think is really cool. Um, I think what you said there about guitars coming in in sequence, I mean, that's the thing I've noticed in previous albums. I think I'm thinking rhythm and soul as an example of things coming in and leaving and coming in and leaving, like they build and then they bring down. And this does it. In about eight seconds, vocals in. Um, regular the- listeners to my voice <laughs> will know that I like a short. I like a short song. This is brilliant. Yeah. I also like a song that ends suddenly. Um, Dinosaur Junior's version of "Just Like Heaven." Bam! Cuts out mid riff. This cuts out end of a riff. You expect there's going to be more, and. Talking of that riff, um, when they first released this riff, before they released the track, somebody, one of our guests, um, put a YouTube mix of the riff repeat <laughs> how many times, Tyler? I was a, <laughs> that's funny. You found that. Uh, it's an hour <laughs> mix of a 30-second clip. So a little math <laughs> there would be, let's see, per minute, six, 120 times in a row. Is that right? Of just of just the dun dun no, dun no, dun. No, no, no. So it's thirty <laughs> seconds. It's the actually the whole intro okay. of the song with no lyrics. But that was a yeah. It was a little trailer they did for one of their their live uh, stream show. So yeah, thirty seconds of music with no no vocals, looped. That was fun. Yeah. <laughs> did you get many people listening all the way? I, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, yeah. It's got it, and it was funny because I think everybody was just so hungry for new music that they're like, "Oh yeah, I listened to that video a couple times in a row, that 30-second clip." So, now I can just listen to it. For, and and then the actual song came out some days later, so it wasn't like yeah, a yeah. a great uh 
a great YouTube hit or anything, but uh, yeah, it was just fun. <laughs> uh, but before that, they released the six second clip, which was just that middle down, now, now, that heavy break. And um, that was funny because everybody, you know, I'm like, is this going to be a metal record or, or, you know, really, really heavy? Because that's really juxtaposed with that Texas riff. Yeah. I think by that point, I think by that point, we'd, we'd heard that a, Queens of the, a former Queens of the Stone Age producer was getting involved. Yeah. And I was like, oh, hello, where are we going with this yeah. one? Sorry, Bill, I realized that I sort of dragged you away from your points. So before before I forget to come back to you and then finish off with Tyler. So, Bill. No, that, that, that's fine. Uh, I just wanted to uh, not forget to mention the video for this track which uh the first time i i listened to the single when it came out it was it was in the context of watching the video uh which has has colored the whole thing for me also i just find that has everyone seen the video yeah Um, it's weird i find that (sighs) the dancing so creepy yeah. And and so cool. I just I hear this song and I see those people just dancing back and forth like they're like they're trapped and stuck in a rut, um, which is, I think, appropriate for the song, which seems to be all about breaking free of some kind of mind control or or, or cultish thinking uh, and and getting yourself back to the outside by whatever means necessary. Um, I just I cannot get that image out of my mind. Um, yeah. Um, all right. It's probably a good time to move on unless anyone else has got anything to say about the hardest cut. Nobody's looking at me. All right. So we've got a bit of a bit of a rock cover, balls out rock, and then some sort of quite, I mean, okay. You three are, are all American. Obviously I'm from the UK. We have different rock tapestries in our background. There are a lot of references. I'm not going to know from this album. At times I went, is that a bit Hall of Notes? I don't really know who Hall of Notes are. I just know they existed. There was a couple of songs that stuck in my head. So there's moments, there's some, this third track, um, ah, my brain's just gone. Um, Devil and Mr. Jones, what am I talking about? The third track, Devil and Mr. Jones, it comes in and it's like this sort of sexy rock. Does that sound right? There's a sort of sexy rock to here. It feels to me like a sort of, 70s 80s us type of rock maybe it would be it would fit quite nicely on the magnolia soundtrack um there, there was a couple of super tramp tracks on there you know i'm getting this whole sort of vibe it's barroom soul rock am i talking through my ass is somebody gonna stop me talking tyler stop me talking devil and mr jones no um <laughs> you know you know so when i heard when i so i little insight i did get to hear their record a couple weeks early to 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 record my podcast so i did i mean so like like you all i heard the single uh hardest cut and i was able to listen to the whole thing this was the first track that really made me feel like it was like a classic spoon sound honestly this reminded me of girls can tell era a lot um when that verse comes in just like the minor chords and the kind of slinking and tight bass and drums um, and then there's, they do this little melody uh, backing vocal part that sounds just like Lafitte. There's a song where they have a backing melody callback uh, for for my ears anyway. Bill shaking his head, agreeing as no, we are. No, no, I'm, I'm agreeing with you. I, I love those. <laughs> so um, um, they're like R and B backing vocals. Yeah, and and um, so that was what that's what it called to mind for me. But like you say, we all have different musical backgrounds, and everybody 
pulls a reference from here or there, but that's what sounded like, okay, we're back to classic uh, Spoon. That's, that's what I got from the song. No, I think there is, I mean, obviously we, you can't talk about a Spoon album without talking about the idea that they do something different, yet they still sound the same. Um, for me, this album did sound like all of their Spoon albums, but none of their Spoon albums. Not like there's the disc, here's the disco one, here's the punky one. They're like, oh, this has a bit of that, and this has a bit of that, and it also has thirty years, forty years of rock and roll. And we use the word rock and roll not ironically, um, but previous albums I've heard Brit rock and British influences going back. And the, I, I, once or twice, maybe later in the, on the second side, there, there was a, a couple of kinksy moments. But apart from that, it was all this was. Oh, this is all the stuff I never listened to. It was over the other side of the Atlantic, and it was the stuff they played in Hollywood movies. Um, Emily, um, this 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 devil of Mr. Mr. <laughs> Track three. Um, where I mean, when we spoke before, um, it was a. The uh, some of the mid early spoon stuff was sort of your college years, and if this this track harks back to that, was this a nice way in for you after the first two big bangers, um, or was it sort of oh a bit nostalgia? <laughs> well, I think I think that comparison is is really interesting actually because because um, you're right that you know like girls can tell and and like kill the moonlight those are some of my those are like my favorite spoon albums, um, but. But that was not, I guess I didn't, I didn't have that association when I, when I heard this song, it, it didn't really evoke Girls Can Tell for me. Um, so this is, this is the, <laughs> this is the point where I feel like I, I, I turn into the curmudgeon. Maybe I, I get to channel, do I get to channel Nick? We never want to love fast. <laughs> I just, you know, I feel like a Spoon is sort of incapable of making sort of a an unpleasant album and you know, they, it's it's not a it's not a bad song, The Devil and Mr. Jones, but I this was the, there was a point in the middle of the album where I guess it started to it just it felt a little um it's perfectly fine, but this sounds harsher. <laughs> I really mean it. Honestly, nothing nothing sounds as harsh as the words, it was perfectly fine. It was fine. <laughs> those those it are almost the most damning words. You could, it was perfectly fine. It was perfectly fine. It was recorded but, music. But but maybe a little... I mean, it, it also depends. When an American says it's perfectly fine, I think you genuinely mean, oh, that's quite good. When a, if an English person says to me, yeah, that's perfectly fine, I think, oh my God, what have I done? <laughs> I guess it, it, you know, there's. I have a hard time pointing at sort of what's what's wrong with it in this particular case. But I, I, this is the point where I sort of start to feel like this is it's fine, but 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 maybe a little. It felt a little bland to me. The song safe, yeah, a little safe, safe a little safe. safe I think, yeah. For this sort of, there's a mid stretch on this album that where I kind of lost interest a little bit. Again, it's not like there aren't hooks. Um, so I have actually kind of a hard time articulating like what what the issue is but i i just i found it um maybe it's a little bit i don't know maybe that is part of it maybe it it sounds a bit like some other spoon that i know but it 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 doesn't quite go beyond that i'm not sure okay um, okay um bill um does this go above and beyond also 
which American bands am I trying to think of when I'm trying to think of who this sounds well, like? Because they all sound like something. Hollow Notes, I hadn't thought of that, but I think it's a it's a decent comparison. Um, because I think I think Hollow Notes are brilliant. By They're the fantastic. Way. Yeah. Uh, and, Unironically and I, amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I just could not love Daryl Hall more also. Um and he recorded. Was he the mustache? Wait, 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 which was the one with the mustache? That was John. Which was the that blonde was John. one? John Oates has the had the mustache. Okay. Um, but Jealous. you know, Daryl Daryl Hall recorded an album with Robert Fripp. I mean, you got to give him points, and it's a it's a good album. But this has, for me, you nailed it. A lot of really uh, American seventies and probably especially West Coast seventies um, music associations. Uh, I. I feel like there's some Steely Dan in here because they've got this, they've got this interesting vibe tone going in the background. Um, they've got uh, some interesting chord changes over the, uh, uh, over the guitar solo and those horns. Um, they one, give me a, 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 a big gaga, gaga, gaga feeling. And two, the, I, I just noticed that the horns were uh, performed by Steve Berlin who's the uh, saxophonist from Los Lobos, uh, which is another band I, I would love to do with uh, temporary fandoms someday. That's always been my dream, but I don't know that anyone would go along with that. <laughs> but, um, which is interesting. Well, pocket. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Chad Blake, who mixed the hardest cut, ha- did a lot with Los Lobos early on. So it's interesting. Um I think this is this is a track where Spoon's professionalism really starts to show and I found it really exciting. I think it's one of my it's one of my favorite songs on the album and that's saying a lot for me. And it also lyrically um it's it's continuing this progression um of the album getting more claustrophobic as we're coming through um side 1 almost like we're working backwards in time going from a a a strong, confident place into uh, a place of really uh, wrestling with yourself. Like hardest cut, you've gotten out of a bad situation and devil and Mr. Jones, you're still right in it. That does seem to be at least lyrically. And I guess some a bit musically as well. A, I've been stuck. I've been trapped in my apartment for a year writing songs and I haven't gone out of the house. I have started to question everything. And there's a, it does seem there's a, there's a whole lot of internal battles going on a bit lyrically and, and some contextually as well with some of the songs. Um, Tyler, where, I mean, where, where, where does this fit in the opening three? I think it's a great opening it, three. Yeah, I think I, it's bam, bam, bam. But this is a different band. Yeah, and what I'll say about this song that I really like, and musically, we mentioned the horns. There's a really cool moment. Uh, I mentioned the the backing vocals. There's a moment where like the the drums, everything drops out besides his vocals and guitar. Everything comes back in. I love that moment. And then um, I really, really like the the second verse. Um, so it does like a double outro where the, the lyric is, "This world is fragile." Where we're aware. Um, I don't know his exact point, but I think that's something that for me anyway. You know, um, we've kind of realized in these last few years um you could take it many ways but especially if we's all sitting at home and being retrospective about the world um i really like that that moment but like i said it's musically and then later as i re-listened the lyrics uh hit me too but uh i love that part that ending part 
but as far as sequencing the, the 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 first three tracks, yeah, I think this works really well. I'll spoiler those first five tracks where that it has a really definite ending to side A, and then second side opens. Didn't they do that? Didn't they do that last time round? Wasn't there a symmetry to side A and well, side B? I, I don't know that. Yeah, there was a kind of a musical motif even with that one with Pink Up and Us on the last record. I, this one doesn't have that, but I just think every record they do, they really think about the vinyl and they think about how a, how a side is going to end and then the second one begins. Sometimes it's with a bang, sometimes it's with a whisper. You know, I summon you starts gimme fiction side two, which I love. Um, but uh, you know, they all have a little bit of sequencing. There was um, years and years and years ago on uh, I think it was Six Music, BBC Six Music. Uh, they were talking one afternoon about how the second track on the second side is one of the most important tracks on an album because you've gone through side one you've probably had a few singles and you need something to get to, to get to keep you going because and also not everybody listened to an, an entire album in in full you know they might go i've listened to the first five i don't have much time they need something to keep them yeah. going um at this point if you're listening in normal pod you're going to hear like a 10 second sting and we'll be back in a second. If you're listening on Mixcloud, you're going to hear, um, well, you can hear the devil and Mr. Jones and we'll be back in about what? Three minutes, four minutes, something like that. Three minutes, 38 seconds. I, I have no clue. <laughs> I don't know. Um, all right, there. So we're going to move on. We're going to move on to sort of the middle run. Um, and if someone had said to me um, that in 2022, I would really like essentially a track from the Joshua Tree, I would have told them to go fuck themselves. Um, and as much as I try and shake this U2 sound out of my head, Wild it even has the Edge's guitar in there at, at one point, right? I mean, I'm, I mean. It's it, it's a it's a spoon version of a U two track, but it's a fucking U two fucking U two track. I can't say U two U two U two track. I can't say it. Choo choo train. It's a choo choo train. Bill, it is right. It's. I mean, this is this is something from Josh. It's with or without you, or streets have no name, or something like that. You know that. that that hadn't occurred to me, but now that you say it, uh, you're right, and it might have something to do with why I didn't like the track the first time through. I mean, even the imagery from the video, because again, I watched when this came out as a single, I watched it with the video first and that might've colored my opinion also because I'm kind of uh, allergic to cowboy hats. You know, those are the kids that, <laughs> that beat me up in high school. So, um, but, but this track has really, has really grown on me. Um, and the the more I've listened to it, the more I really like it. I I wrote down in my notes that it's it's really anthemy, uh, which fits in with what you're saying about uh, about Joshua Tree. Um, but I feel like uh, that the theme of of bondage versus freedom is coming through really strongly in this track. And and really, the more I've listened to it, the more I it I really like it. And I I don't know how I feel about the fact that it's co-written with Jack Antonoff. Um, I didn't know that at first, um, and I'm not a huge fan of, of his work, but I know a lot of people are, um, and I'm going to, I'm just going to interrupt. I mean, obviously I know who you're talking to, <laughs> but just in case any of our listeners don't, who is Jack? Well, Antonoff? He's the genius behind fun, of course. And he's, and he's worked with a lot of, uh, 
other songwriters and artists, uh, particularly Taylor Swift um, and Lord and some other folks. Um, Is he the main guy from Fun? Like the the guy who sings the songs and everything? I might be talking out my ass because I really no no I, I really I, don't I, know that much about have, Fun. I'm just curious. I didn't I, know. I can, okay, I didn't. Know. I can look it up, but uh, that was yeah. Okay, I know he was from Fun anyway. Okay, so he probably wrote the songs with him. Yeah, yeah, fun, great band, yeah, best band of the 2010s, 2020s. Yeah. <laughs> we are not, we're not Wait, talking. We're not. I'm teasing. <laughs> I have no. I, I don't know. I'm who very fun neutral. Are, so I'm just like going to move on very quickly. No, teasing. Yeah. We should not um, get sidetracked on no fun. They, they had, they, they had one big about. single maybe 15 years ago that was inescapable, in, at least in the United States, and now I can't even remember the name, but. It, it was just a, an awful earworm. But basically, he, but you're saying like he, he, he's become a sort of a songwriter that for, for hire. A song sweetener, maybe. I don't know exactly what mm-hmm. he does, but he's, he's worked with a lot. <gasps> of, Script doctor. Yeah, sure. He's punch, sure. He punches it up. Yeah. Punches it up. Mm-hmm. He's Quentin Tarantino I mean, putting I, uh, <laughs> the Silver Surfer dialogue into Hunt for Red October. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. I think, I mean, I think some of the most underrated people in music over the last 30, 40 years are the songwriters who other people sing their songs. Um, Kathy Dennis. Kathy Dennis never gets a look in. And I may not like Britney Spears' Toxic or Kylie Minogue's I Can't Get You Out of My Head, but they are great pop songs, and she wrote both of them. Um, Emily, now, where are you on this, um, this anthemic cowboy hat, black and white, Dink 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 guitar. I guess for me, I, I guess this is still, even though it's it's a very different sounding song from the previous one we talked about from Devil Mr. Jones. This is this is still kind of part of the sort of there's a midsection of the album that 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 sagged a little for me in terms of my uh, my engagement with it. And I I think it I think honestly I think the anthemic quality of of this one of Wild is is maybe part of part of what I um, had a hard time getting into a little bit. Um, but I hadn't actually thought about the, the U2 comparison, Ewan. And now that you've, now that you've said that, I can't really, I've like, I've got the song like in my, in my head right now. I can't like, what? not exactly the guitar tone, but it's like, it's like the rhythm of that guitar line is, yep. is very, is very <laughs> edge. Yeah. I think the anthemic nature won me mm. over. The first time I heard it, I was like, yeah, but this. By the second time, as it swelled towards the end, I was singing along or mumbling along beneath my mask as I walked down the street trying to pretend I wasn't singing along. Um, Tyler, um, you're younger than me. Mo- you know, you're younger than myself and Bill. Um, um, we, we, we remember you two in their heyday when they were, when they were quite a good band. Um, <laughs> what sound does wild sound like for you? Is it the sound of Texas? No, Is it the sound no, of deserts? Like, no, no, no. I... I I love, first of all, I love you too. Um, my dad, I have fond memories listening to you too with my dad. Um, I act, I, you just made Bill and me feel really so, old. So I, <laughs> I, I listened to it with my dad. Hey, I'm in my, yeah, I'm in my Joshua Tree on cassette when I was a teenager. <laughs> I'm in, I'm in, I'm a musically, um, I'm older. I don't know. I'm in my thirties. Uh, but yeah, I know. I love you too. I actually even defend newer U2 uh, music. I actually really like it. Um, what I'll say though, I agree with you. Um, 
obviously it's not as much um, echo and delay as a edge line, but even that that middle portion, it does have an extra effect to it. But I'll make the story very short, but um, it is one of my favorite songs on there. And like when I was thinking in my mind, okay, hardest cut and wild are these two singles. I, I mean, I'm more into the rock type of genre. Um, so I'm thinking well, I'm, I'm probably going to like hardest cut more. Right. But after listening to wild over and over, um, I really liked it. It made me really emotional when I first heard it. So I, they released this seven inch on uh, record store day. The, the nearest record store to me now is 45 minutes. So I woke up early Friday morning, took a couple hours off work, drove and got the record. I didn't listen to it until like at night after work, my wife was gone on vacation seeing, visiting her aunt and I was alone with my two children and they were sleeping. And I'm like, finally, I'm going to put this record on. And I just got like really, yeah, it was welling with positive emotion. I, I mean, it's like, I've only heard one spoon song in five years. They're my favorite band. Right. So it was probably a little bit with red rose colored glasses, but I don't know when that piano p- part comes in, made me feel really happy. It made me feel positive that I mean, we can, we can never, <laughs> we can never sort of dismiss emotion with music yeah, you know? totally. i mean we we can talk about how previous songs and previous albums have been technically well put together and, and all of this but if a track makes you go then it, it, it's doing something i have a question is it i i still i've listened to it what 15 times is he saying citizen why do I have to be such a sir? Because I really still <laughs> yes, can't work it out. And I, don't, I refuse to look on lyrics things. People are nodding. Modern yeah, living, I, I, must I be I, such I, a I citizen? The, yeah. I read the lyrics the yeah, last yeah. time I listened to the album. It was, at least according to Genius.com, it's Citizen. No, you're right. I have the lyrics. It's, you're right. Um, the funny thing about that, too, is the first thing I picked up from it is the line where he talks about trippers and askers. They're surrounding me, um, bring them roses, sing the blues. To me, I thought it was almost like kind of similar to songs we've talked about the music industry before, right? Like all the, they want a hit from me. They want me to produce this. But um, I had asked him about it and he mentioned that it's more about like being okay with modern living, everyday life, but the wild world he described of, you know, being on the road, playing music um, was calling to him. So it's kind of like you can relate it to anybody in life. Like, are you going to take a risk? Are you going to, um, you know, do something, change it up? Or are you just living? Every, I mean, not to say one's better than the other. It's just a kind of a thought about life. And I didn't pick that up at first. And so um, I kind of liked that as well, that idea. I mean, it, it, it is one of those, this was one of those tracks and, and that, that idea. But I, I was like, yeah, I'm from a small, I'm from a industrial city in the heart of urban England, the idea of there being a wild out there just doesn't <laughs> exist. You know, you, you can go and live in the country for a bit, but really you end up moving back to a town or a village because, or whatnot. But obviously America has this great history and idea or ideology of there's always the wide open space. It's there, manifest destiny, you know, conquer, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you chose right, the let's, wild let's world of podcasting country. though. You chose the what you you took the chance and you've done it. <laughs> that, I mean, that is true. Although, as wild as it is, I'm sitting in a room surrounded by uh, materials my wife uses to teach English to small children. And it doesn't feel particularly. <laughs> it doesn't feel particularly well. Although, Tyler, yes, you are sitting in front of a ridiculously heavy-looking CRT television. Craziest background today. 
Um, all right. Three tracks were released before the album, and I still don't know whether I like My Babe, which is the next track. It's growing on me a bit, but I think, and I'm going to use a very British word here, I, I think it's a bit naff. Can you can you ex- can you explain that? No, I was looking that? at me like, what does naff? Can, can you explain what that means, what that means for, uh, for, yes, for, for our American naff, listeners? There are very there. There are various definitions. The, the original use of it was in, in a TV program called Porridge. Naff is like, it's just pick, not very good in a sort of wishy-washy way. It's like, eh, it's fine. It's, it's not fine. It's just a bit, eh, bit naff. Bit naff. I've got, I don't, I don't know. I've got nothing really to say on this. Tyler looks like I've exploded his head, so I'm going to straight to him this time around. But no, I, I, I get it. It's like, yeah, my baby. And it grows and it gets better. But for me, this is the, this is the weakest track on the album. That's fine. No, like I, and like I said when you were away for a second, Emily, I I I'm a fan, but I can also be critical and I appreciate everybody's ideas and thoughts. And I think that's a very fair criticism. I think it can be related to a, a happy Paul McCartney love song. If you're John Lennon, you say that's just a normal dumb silly love song, right? But if you're a fan of Paul McCartney, you're like, "Oh, it's a beautiful just happy song." And to me, I also think when you, there's always this idea of an artist or a musician, someone that you admire, you're like, give me more of your art. I want or your music or your records. Right. Um, but then there's also like, but does that make you happy? Like as a human to human level, like if you're happy, that that makes me happy. Like if you're a person, cause you're a human, <laughs> I'm sorry if that sounds really dumb or not, but, uh, so to me, I agree. I, I, I like the song. But I can see where it's it's just a generic love song, and he seems to be doing personally better than ever. And so for that, you can say, "Wow, it's great! That's it's great." I like the music at the end, and like I said, I think it ends the side um, well. Um, it's a song I'd play for my wife, and she'd be like, "Oh yeah, it's beautiful. It's a pretty love song." But I, I I don't I don't think they've ever done that before, to be honest. Like, what's what's a What's the sentimental love song? I summon you, which is depressing. About I want you're not with me, and I want you by me. We, oh, weird that you say that because I was just thinking, what what does it remind? What other track does it remind me of? And I, then I thought, oh, I can't say what I want to say because people will hate me. And I thought, no, I never really got on with I summon you either. For some, I always just got a bit bored towards the end, and I don't know why. There's just I also what I like about Spoon is the rest of the band and stuff together. And this is Paul McCartney, not even with wings. This is that weird Paul McCartney <laughs> album he did on the, on the, was it a farm Man, or something? That was like some weird yeah. part. Yeah. It's a fantastic album. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, Bill, is this, is this Paul? Is this John? Is it Ringo? <laughs> it's not Ringo. It's Paul. It's Paul. I mean, it's, it's, it's Brit writing a, a love song and I'm, I'm, with Tyler, in a way, I think it's cool to hear Brit writing something that seems unabashedly happy. Um, you know, it's 10 albums in, he's earned it. Uh, and I, I like this track. I like some of the sonic effects in it. I love the, the piano, that untuned piano that feels like it's miked from like 10 feet away. Um, it gives kind of a, an interesting uh, sort of... I don't want to say melancholy, but kind of a nostalgic feeling to the tune. Um, And I think, you know, the tune builds and builds. But the thing that strikes me about it, listening to it, is the way that here at the end of the side, um, the way this song is structured, especially with the production, 
kind of mirrors Spoon's whole career. It's like you're you're adding elements and then suddenly you strip away everything right in the middle down right down to the bare bones it's just basically voice and and bass and drama at um in that second verse i think it is and then slowly slowly it builds and builds and keeps adding more pieces in and more pieces uh which i find really interesting uh that there's there's something more going on here than just a, a simple love song. They've done some really interesting, complicated uh, production stuff with this, which I like. I appreciate that. It might not be my favorite song on the album, but you know, it's still it's a good song. It's a good, solid song. Good, good way to end the side. All right, it's a good way to end the side. So we'll we'll we'll, we'll turn we'll turn that over and we'll get on to the next side. Um, hopefully, hopefully it's gonna. Bring Emily out of her funk. <laughs> um, and we're going to start side two. Well, okay. Does it start side two with a banger? In people's opinions. Oh, yeah. we move, we're, we're moving on to Feels All Right. I mean, for me, this is a, it's a spoon track. It's a classic spoon track. I really like it. It's not jumping out at me, but it's a, yeah, this is good. I like, it's a good spoon track. I've just forgotten how we came on it. I've listened to it six times today. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's really, really complicated rhythmically. Yeah, um, yeah. At, at least there, there's some, they've got a lot of really cool rhythms going on in this song. So it's a great opener for side two. Love the drums. Yeah. But also, I mean, they're, they're a band with a great, solid um, restraint, when he, restrained when he needs to be drummer. Yeah, I mean, some bands have big, flashy, flashy drummers, and some bands have just drummers who are very, very, very good, and and keep everything going. Um, and yeah, that, so I mean, Emily, are we still in the funk? For me, this is this is where the album started to to pick up a little bit more for me because I was also, I think, in, in, on my babe, I'm I'm more I'm more of Ewan's um, persuasion. <laughs> Naff. 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 Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Correct. Um, uh, so for me, this this started to pick up a little. And yeah, it was it was rhythmically a little. It was it was really interesting. And as that kind of jazzy off center beat and kind of the cool little complimentary piano part too. So um, this is this is where I started to to pick up again. And I actually I actually might I think I enjoyed the second half of the album more than the first. Okay. Um, th- for me, this is where it went a bit trans- transferency again. Um, maybe it was the constructions. Maybe it was the piano sound. I don't know. It sort of ke- it echoed back to a few album, few albums ago. Um, I'm gonna go straight up to Tyler and Bill. Bill, just arbitrarily, <laughs> how's this one? How how is this for you? I mean, moving into side two, we're looking forward to the rest of the album. Emily's already perked up. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, this 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 definitely perks me up. It's it's a it's uh there's just so much going on and it's so interesting. It's a it's a good way to open the side. Uh which for me the side is a little maybe weaker than the first side, but it's just a matter of degree, really. Uh I'm Tyler. I, I, I love it. Um I think it's a great yeah, side two opener. The drums, my favorite track. Um, the beat's very cool. And I like um, when the course comes in, there's a twinkly sound. That's the best using my music uh, prowess there. Um, I don't know if that's keys or a guitar, but I really like that, <laughs> the production. So interesting, fun fact, fast fact. 
Um, this was produced by a different producer, Justin Raisin, if, if that uh, interests you at all. And the only one that wasn't like tracked all in Austin, but they, but then the band mixed it. And I think it fits really well. Like it doesn't stick out to me, but um, uh, that's just a little. Yeah, you, you couldn't know, yeah. you wouldn't notice yeah. it was done. But, um, yeah. but what was your question? Or, or did you say that it was? Is it? Wasn't is it so much a question. I just said oh, your name. Okay. Well, I, you had mentioned. Um, <laughs> you could, you could, you can insert whichever question okay. you wish and answer that yeah, one. Yeah, we'll it, be well, good. put it this way: it was one that stood out. This one and Mr. Jones, um, I think, and on the radio. Well, we'll, we'll get to it, but yeah, um, it stood out, and yeah, I, I like the production and I like the drum beat. I'm a big Jimmy Eno fan. Big Jimmy Eno fan. Yeah, he's their secret weapon. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He's one. He, he, some people just just hold that band together. Um, it's like people used to talk about the Stone Roses and go, "Oh, it's all John's choirs." No, it was Rennie. It was the jazz drummer at the back, just keeping it all together. Um, going back to their early days, one of my favorite tracks um, from pro- possibly their first three albums in total is Caradio. Um <laughs> and now one of my favorite tracks on this album is also indie rock an indie rock classic an instant indie rock classic on the radio i loved this this was great this 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 was this got me into side two um it's quite a simple song really in terms of what it is um it's not doing anything particularly crazy unless i i'm so stupid it went over my head but for me i was like this is great proper sing-along indie indie song it's not a rock anthem it's it's 90s indie rock and I'm comfortable with '90s indie. It's yeah, it's like a warm blanket for me. Um, yeah, this is a this is a classic um, spoon sound. Yeah, very much. I mean, this is this is this is the spoon song I was waiting for. Ah, oh, I got a spoon back, but not so much like feels all right, which still hasn't got its claws into me yet. And I felt a bit ah um, on the radio after my babe and feels all right. I was you know fully back into this. Um, I'm just going to sort of hope people have things to say because i don't have any questions for this one so um emily i've known you the longest so i'm just gonna pick on you <laughs> hot take give uh, me a hot I, take i thought this was the i think this is easily for me the best song on the album this is the one when, i praise yeah when i the first time i listened to it this was um this was the first song that that made me really like sit up and and pay attention um, I just think it's it's a great. Um, I really like the whole like um, the I was born to it uh, whole little progression that he goes through and all the kind of plays around with the lyric like maybe I was born to it you know I was born to it I think I was born to it all that sort of little kind of play that he does um, as it sort of like builds and builds so I thought it was I thought it was great. Good, 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 good. That's that's two for me. Right, I'm winning. Um, Bill. <laughs> Uh, I like this. I'm a child. What? I'm a child. I like this song a lot. I love when he calls himself John Britt in, I think in the, in the first, first verse. Um, no, this is, like I said, it's, it's a classic, uh, classic spoon sound. It gets pretty heavy and, and rocks and it's, it's in the minor key that they seem to like, but it's not dark. Um, and it's got the same piano that I've been loving so much throughout so much of the album yeah it's good yeah and they, 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 they do have a habit of finding what sounds like a piano from a secondhand charity shop yeah. that's slightly <laughs> off yeah. key and i like like in transfers well, i think they played 
I think they played it in an old swimming pool to get the echo sound. There is a certain piano sound that yeah. they're very good at, yeah. at, at bringing out. And you, you mentioned you mentioned the uh, barroom feel to one of the earlier tracks, and that's 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 the vibe I get from all this piano. Is it just a uh, a barroom piano that's been sitting in the corner and's been bashed on, and no one's tuned it for like twenty seven years. <laughs> Oh, and somebody somebody wanders over slightly drunk and puts their whiskey down <laughs> and starts playing and everyone just stops talking. Ah, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, it's in my head now. It's in my head. Um, Tyler, um, very quickly, last words from you on, on the radio before we actually play it to our mixed cloud listeners. Well, last words. I loved it too. Yeah, it was, it was a fast favorite. Um, I remember watching this. They played this live in 2019 shortly before... COVID. So I had watched this video and that piano riff was stuck in my head for some years. And uh, yeah, the recording is great. I think um, they, so we mentioned there's a part in the second verse, the guitar is sounds very, very, very loose. Like it doesn't even know exactly what it's going to play. And so there's that moment that you're talking mm -hmm. about that they sound like they're, they're not taking, or, you know, they're loosening up, mm -hmm. maybe, if you will. Maybe that's why you like it, Emily. Yeah, that's, but, I, uh, I was going to say, I think yeah. I agree with that. I think there's like, it, there's a little bit, it Very feels loose. a little less tightly controlled than some of the other stuff. Yeah. And I think that is what, part mm -hmm. of what I like about it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But like, I agree all with everything right. you've well, all said. It's, yeah, it's good. <laughs> <laughs> no one ever, no, people never come on and agree with what I've said. No, I'm, not I'm you. I it. meant Bill um, and Emily. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, what we'll do now is, if you're listening on the pod, you'll hear, like I said, five, ten seconds of something. And if you're listening on our website or on Mixcloud, you will hear on the radio. Okay, um, so cracking into the final three. Um, very rarely is a song so perfectly titled um i was making comments on the next track and i was like dreamy loveliness lovely hug and i realized oh astral jacket it just feels like a hug in an ass from an ass it just if i had more of a hippie vibe to me i'd be like oh i'm just gonna go for love and astral jacket this next track was slower was lovely and it was just really nice and beautiful. And I really, maybe I was coming off a high and on the radio, so I was a bit more forgiving. Um, I think I'm sort of leaning on the Emily side here. Um, I think the first three tracks are great, but I also think the last three or four are all great. And so I think there is that bagginess in the middle maybe, but I'm fully coming back in this. It really pulled me in. I thought it was a really nice, beautiful, lovely little song. And um, I've got nothing else to say about it. I wrote dreamy loveliness, exclamation mark, exclamation mark, exclamation mark, or sorry, exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. <laughs> um, Emily, are we still on... How side two? Side two should be excited, yeah, right? Yeah, I liked I liked this one. Um, I, it has some some really nice sort of like atmospheric stuff going on. It's a sort of like shimmery sound to it. It does for me. Um, maybe just just get a little bit lost because it's between it's the track before it and the track after it are for me the are possibly my favorite two songs on the album. And some of that shimmery sort of atmospheric thing, I I think. The next track does just a little bit better, but I I, I like this as its own kind of 
um, kind of more laid back, um, atmospheric thing. I was reading a bunch of reviews earlier on, and I remember that I saw a phrase, I think the phrase was languid intimacy. Um, I can't remember where it was, if, it's, if you're listening and it was your review. Nice choice of words. Um, but yeah, it was a nice little, hmm. It, it's, hmm. it's just a little, it is just almost, it's, I wouldn't quite call it languid, but it's, it's, it's not, it's just a little uncomfortably close to languid. So that's why it's not quite as far up as some other Loosh. parts of it. For <laughs> <No>. me, but. <laughs> um, Bill, you are a, a, a multiple award nominee. <laughs> what word would you choose to describe this? I wrote down uh, blissful, almost religious to describe it. And I think when this track comes on, we are definitely back in 70s territory. Mm -hmm. There's just so mm -hmm. many touches that take me straight yeah. there. Um, it's not so much the acoustic guitar, which is a, a nice change up on the album, but that huge echoey drum in the background sounds like Jim's bashing a timpani in some giant orchestra hall um, that I, I was struggling to think what song that reminded me of, but there's probably half a dozen from that era that that fit that and then the electric piano and they've got harp sounds which are probably a keyboard but um all this adds up to something extremely atmospheric it's it's very lovely um and i i like the way the the lyrics go in the direction of a of equating uh love as some kind of uh religious devotion yeah I, I, again, like when you said it, the seventy thing, this is still this is their most American album, easily uh, a lot, a lot of all the British influences seem to disappear. All the classic Americana here. I mean, he, he what was the quote? He said it's a rock album uh, for someone who never got Eric Clapton, and that's let's be honest, Eric Clapton. <laughs> yeah, now that I'm now I'm, that I'm thinking I'm about it, I'm not going to say the word I want to say about Eric Clapton. <laughs> now that you've said that, this is like. California seventies mm -hmm. and that that drum could come out Eagles? of is it no, the it's Eagles? Not the Eagles. No. That drum could that. come from no. the Beach Boys. <laughs> who 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 uh, who did uh, in uh, San Francisco? If you're going oh. to San Francisco, yeah, it starts with an A. I think I don't remember <laughs> that vibe. That that hippie. Uh, well, I mean, Tyler, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna come to we're gonna come to you. Um, you can either carry on serenading <laughs> us if you wish, or <laughs> um, uh, give us your opinion on, on on this one, and also take us if you can take us from this into the next track. Um, my brain satellite. Okay, I'll do all of that. First of all, let me play Lucifer's Advocate for a second. What? Do you say about this song being boring? Because I've heard many people think the song's boring. Did anybody get that? I liked it, but I but let's just. I mean, let's be honest. It's a very rock album, and there's anthems, and mm. there's guitars, and there's chuggy chuggy chug chug guitars. And I imagine for some, they get to this and they go, "Oh, this is oh, I was really mm. rocking out." Um, I know. I thought I like it. I thought it was a lovely track, but I can sometimes mm. listen to what other people might find to be dirge and boring stuff and find it blissfully blissfully marvelous um i no i can't see i can see why people might say it in comparison to some of the other tracks but for me no it was a nice change of pace cool um bill or emily did you think it was boring at all or did you enjoy it 
I I enjoyed it, but it I but I could see that there was I think depending on your mood. I don't know if it's like I think it works. Yeah. I think it works in the way they've sequenced it um really well. But I think on its own, if you just like just like I'm just gonna listen to a random song from this the spoon <laughs> album, um yeah. I think it could sound if you're not in the right mood for it, a little sleepy. Um I don't I don't necessarily think that's fair. It would be a terrible closer. Yeah. It would well, be a terrible yeah. album So closer. as much as I praise the sequencing, I think side two, they could have flipped. Because mm. um, they do they do Feels All Right and On the Radio, two pretty rocking songs. Yeah. And then they have this one and Satellite, which are both yeah. slower songs. Right. If they would have flipped, like done Feels All Right, this song, On the Radio, Satellite, I feel like that would have helped with that maybe a bit boring. Mm. F- I mean, it... But again, I liked it, um, and uh, I really like the vocals. There's a lot of vocal harmonies. Um, Britt joked that, or I joked that uh, Jim will have to learn to sing the backup. Like every band member will have to do a, a vocal part if they do this one live. But um, yeah, no, I, I do really like it. And as far as the the song title, it's my favorite song title on the record just because it's, what is it? Yeah, I, I love it. <laughs> uh, you kind of mentioned that it sounds like a, a hug in space, space hug. So yeah. I think space, space, space hug, hug was probably the working title. And then they're like, oh, we got to make it a little bit better. <laughs> on a national jacket. Oh, there's a German band from the seventies called space. Hug. Uh, there's a 90 band called space hug. And that's probably the too close, yeah. too close space hug. Um, <laughs> but getting into the next track then satellite. So, for a little, also a little trivia, this one has been worked on since They Want My Soul. They had recorded it two different times in the studio. They played it live since 2014. I never got the pleasure of seeing it live when they were playing it during those years. But uh, yeah, it's good. I, I Like Emily, it was a moment that I kind of got a little bit of the chills a little bit too listening to it. Just it's, it's um, at first I was thinking it was kind of rock opera, but it's, it's more operatic than that. And also, um, it's like a musical. That's what Brit said. Like a like a the mm-hmm. time signature. It almost sounds like a song from a musical. So mm-hmm. I loved that. No, I can see that. I can see that. Um, I I think to keep my interest in track nine, you know, and fully be keeping my interest in track nine, and even perking me up again, I think was no mean feat. Um, I, yeah, I think I think Satellite was a great song for me. At the, at this point, I was just, yeah, yeah, this is all good. I was feeling slightly trepidatious, though, because uh, previous listeners will know that as far as I'm concerned, um, <laughs> their previous album only has nine songs because I refu- I listened to, was it Us? Yeah, Us is enough. I listened to it once. So I went, yeah. no, never hey. again. Pan Pipes, go fuck yourself. Deleted it. Got rid of it. Take the album off before I get to the end. Um, and I was getting a bit worried. I have to say I was getting a bit worried. We'll see whether my, my worries played out in, in a bit. But no, no, um, I thought Satellite was great. Um, Bill? Yeah, I, I like the way this comes in. It's It's uh, got this swirling feeling at the very mm-hmm. beginning that sort of continues what's going on with uh, with Astral Jacket, which makes me feel like the, the sequencing is pretty good as far as, as, far as I'm concerned. Um, but then something really fun and interesting coalesces out of it. And the, um, this is a song that, that just builds and builds to something really huge. And I, I really liked that. Um, it, it feels like it's, it's really building to something gigantic. 
Um, I don't. Do you think? Do you think that's a? Do you think that's a motif on this album? There's a lot of tracks that. Build. Yeah, yeah, I've noticed that. I think it. I think it is. I think it's a a strategy that they've used. This is maybe the fourth track or something that does something like that. Lyrically, I kind of like it, but I'm I'm always stuck. Any any song that has satellite in the title, I it always reminds me of another satellite by XTC, which is another one of my favorite bands. So I'm kind of mentally contrasting both of them here. And and that's really an opposite kind of song because it's about how I don't want you around. Stop being my satellite. And here's the flip side of that. Um, Brit wants to be someone's satellite. Um, which, you know, that, that's neither good nor bad. It's just something that that colors the way I hear the song since uh, that I'm, other song's so strong. I'm now getting flashbacks. I'm now getting flashbacks and totally not your fault to the very first um, pilot episode we did where I really couldn't remember who XTC were. <laughs> and I kept going, I was like, Dreadlock Holiday? No. <laughs> yeah, it's just really just... Really struggled. Now, now I do, but now I, I totally get. I, to, I, yeah, I totally get that. Um, Emily, before we before we, we, we pile into the the final um, track, I was just gonna say I, I actually also even though I I really like Satellite, like, like I said, it's it's one of my I think it's one of the best tracks on the the album. But I um, like Bill. I <laughs> at first, especially maybe the first time I I listened to it, I had I had a little bit of trepidation um, about. About the satellite motif specifically, just because there, there are actually there are a lot of there are a lot of songs out there with uh, you know some sort of like satellite metaphor. You know, um, I mean, there's like "Satellite of Love," which is a great song. Um, there's that stupid Dave Matthews song, um, which I don't know who he is. <laughs> I know that Americans all make jokes about Dave Matthews or love Dave Matthews, and I know he's a big thing. And I lived in America for two years. Couldn't name a single Dave Matthews track. I, I, I mean, I, I was couldn't, in. I couldn't put him out of a police lineup. I was lineup. in high school in the late '90s, and I have some major Dave Matthews-related trauma. Um, <laughs> um, of the musical sort, <laughs> nothing, nothing personal. Dave <laughs> Matthews was my dad, and he walked out on us. There was just a lot of there was a lot of Dave Matthews in the. It's a lot of like high school dudes who like my Dave Matthews photographs. <laughs> yeah, because late 90s was late Sorry, 90s Emily. was when I was living in the US. <laughs> but yeah, Dave Matthews just was one of those, one of the things that I go, I don't understand. We must have version, we must have artists in the UK that people go, why why do people listen <laughs> to Robbie Williams? Liam. <laughs> Robbie <laughs> thank you. But people go, oh, oh, Jesus Christ. Although now I'm like, Jesus. We listen to Robbie Williams. Um, He's anyway, the Robbie Williams of the US. Yeah, we're gonna <laughs> <laughs> we are gonna move on to the well, the the title track. Um, wait, this was a Dave Friedman joint, right, Bill? This was mixed by Dave Friedman. Yes. All right, but but um, as far as I'm concerned, and 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 the members of Spoon will be happy. There are ten songs on this album. I haven't, I haven't removed one, uh, like with the last one. Um, I think it ends well. I think it ends almost as well, but not quite as "Gaga Gaga Ga, which I still has think has the best ending track of of all their albums. Um, Black like me, my brain, my brain is going crazy today. Um, I think this is a great ending. It has some lovely little rhymes of cigarettes and cassettes, and um, it's like a plea in the 
memories and nice little tunes and the hooks in there. And um, yeah, no, no, this was a great ending. Um, I think the last, the final three tracks go somewhere really nice. I want to revisit the middle stretch um, and just see if I can just get that to work for me. But maybe, maybe I need to, maybe I need to order it on vinyl. Mine's but coming today. I've actually got the, the, the two sides thing. I think maybe I have to do that. Um, let's go. We're going to go Tyler. We're going to go Tyler, Bill, Emily, arbitrarily, because you're next to me mm-hmm. on the Zoom. Tyler, um, you, you, you put your thumbs up when I said that Black Like Me was, was the finest ending, I think, of, of, of any of the Spoon yeah. albums. Um, Us was the yep. worst. Yes. Um, but this is, this is a great, great album closer, right? Uh, yeah. Hey, one, really quick. You can either use your editing magic or take this out completely. I forgot. I wanted to say one thing on Satellite. I believe, it, to me, it feels like a callback to Inside Out when he says, I'm just your satellite. Because um, it was written around the same time, and they probably said he had too many songs about satellites, and they had to move it. But but honestly, like that's what it reminded me of. Um, and I was, I was really interested to hear you, both of your thoughts, how it reminded you of different satellites. That's really cool. I like that. Um, Lucifer on the sofa, ashes stained his lips. I really like it. Uh, I didn't like it as much at first because, um, like you say, I have a very high standard for a closing track for a Spoon album, and I have a like a sequence, a playlist of best to worst. Us is not even on the list, uh, but yeah, I I, I like it. It doesn't even I, make I, lists. It doesn't even make yeah, the list of yeah, last it tracks. It never <laughs> happened. I you know and. we can move on from that song but yeah i agree um i I don't like that one black like me is my favorite yeah and it just has so many things to it so this one i was thinking this style of record it's a rock and roll record i almost thought maybe that's gonna be a kind of a callback like we'll get some acoustic guitars we'll get some cool drum parts we'll get some big bombastic ending and that did not happen it's a looped drum i mean it's it's a real drum but it sounds like a tight drum machine and for me, um, it kind of cements the album in history, um, not to be like blowing out of the water, but, you know, it, it's a pandemic song about him walking through the pandemic, Austin, and being really alone, you know, feeling alone, feeling, fighting these negative thoughts, which was that Lucifer character is, is uh, you know, his other version of himself, which we all probably, uh, you know, we have a, a dark that we try to you know be positive right but um i liked that a lot and it just had to grow though for me i just had to keep listening to it and then i did and i started humming the the little vocal hook um but it's not what i thought so maybe that's why i had those expectations in it it was just horns a little bit of keys no guitars no big change no big break um but yeah I think you you made a good point there when you said about it had to grow on you. Um, every I love Spoon, I love all, every Spoon album, but every single one has had to grow on me. This one has grown on me quicker than most. I think Ga 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 was pretty much immediate, but everything else I was like, oh, I don't know about this. Three or four times in, it was getting there, and then by the tenth listen, I was totally enamored. There were certain tracks here I was immediate. There's a couple. On listen eight or nine, I'm still not sold on. But as an ender, 
as as an ender, yeah, sure, that's that's a fine way to call it. As an ender, um, it was a, just a couple of listens in, which was really good for me. Um, Bill, yeah, when it come to you, um, you've got notes. I, I have a lot of <laughs> notes. I have so many thoughts about this song. It's my favorite song on the album, honestly, and and it's the perfect closer, and it it puts this album. Uh, right up there towards the top of my favorite spoon albums probably you know it's going to be in the top half definitely um but uh i just love everything about this album i like the way that it closes the album on kind of a a it's a it's a a thoughtful but kind of relaxed note at the same time um uh, it's it's just sort of got a a walking vibe to it and i didn't really uh, I didn't really get that it was a pandemic song um, and that it was literally Brit going for a walk around Austin until I listened to uh, Tyler's podcast. But then I, I even I connected with it even more because I've walked some of those streets when I've been in town for South by Southwest. And I could kind of feel like a lot of the places he was walking. I've walked across some of those bridges uh, and I, it really gave me a sense of, of place and it sums up the album also because it, it's another song about trying to break away from being this person that you don't entirely like, um, and trying to, you know, forge a new, a new way ahead and just, you know, getting out of your fucking apartment and going for a walk, you know, which is something I'm trying to remember to do every day. Uh, and there's just so many lovely little touches in this, like the the horns. I love that that the breathy sound of uh, of those saxophones that run through this whole track. Um, it's got some Mellotron in there, um, and you say that like a good I thing. I like Mellotron. <laughs> it it's a it's a like a, a warm, happy space hug to me. <laughs> Uh, Uh, and there's a there's a really cool place where where um those vocals go i can't even i can't sing it i can't remember the melody right now but the uh, yeah that's that's really cool the way that's done and you know again brit throughout his whole career has been proselytizing for uh local musicians and he name checks Dale Watson in this song, who's someone I had never heard of, but I'm going to go check out his music now just because, you know, that's who Brit was thinking of walking around, walking around uh, their town. Love it. I love this song. All right. Good. Um, Emily, we're going to end on you. <laughs> um, thoughts as a whole of the album, where would you put it? I mean, I'm, 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 Agreeing with Bill. For me, I think it, it might end up in my top five. Um, but that's constantly changing. Where does this where does this track and this album fit for you? Well, as far as um as the track goes, I so I think kind of similar to to Tyler, this one um actually had to grow on me a little bit. I think the first time I listened to the album, I think maybe I just was sort of um because the second half does have so many more of the sort of the um the slower songs, the sort of the more atmospheric songs. At first, it just sort of, it got kind of lost in the wash for me, this one. But after I listened to it more, I actually really, I really like it. Um, I feel like it, it has kind of that that mood of like the um, the early morning hours when you've, like you've stayed up so late that it's become, it's become daylight again. 
it has that kind of like kind of contemplative and also kind of kind of weary sort of vibe to it, which I actually mean is a good thing <laughs> in this case. Huh. Um, no, no, I, I, I think there are tracks on here. I can imagine we've been, I've been out. Not now. I mean, uh, I'm 47. The idea of being out when the sun comes up scares the hell out of me. But I can uh, remember going out with my mates, going back to the flat, we're drinking coffee. The sun. I, there are tracks mm-hmm. on here that would have fitted with records we'd be putting on at that time. No, no, I, I totally get that. So I just, I think it's, it's a really, I think it's a really nice kind of melancholy mood to to close the album on. So for me, it was, a, it was a really good last track. Yeah. All right, perfect. Um, I'm conscious of time. We have rambled on quite a lot, um, but we've covered everything. And hopefully I won't have to edit too much of my um, foot-in-mouth tongue-tiedness out of this pod, uh, or I might just leave it all there. Um, Okay. Um, If you have liked this, in frequency.co.uk is where you'll find all that stuff. I'm not going to say it again, but specifically it's where you'll find most of the most of the people here talking about all the other spoon albums in about the same amount of time it took us to talk about this one spoon album which is saying something um also you'll find that um my microphone was really shit a year ago so yeah yeah yeah, it's fine sounds a little bit like a radio announcer in the 1960s um anyway tyler thank you ever so much for coming on um the voice of i turned my podcast on is SoundCloud the best place to listen Wherever. to it? That's where I host the RSS feed, but Apple, Amazon, sorry, Spotify, um, you know, anywhere, anywhere you get podcasts, Stitcher, Google, Podbean, Podstalker.com. I don't know. Everywhere. everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> um, thank you very much for coming on. Um, thank you. I hope I didn't no, annoy thank you too you. much. It was nice chatting with you all. I appreciate the invite, thinking of me. And uh, space hugs to you all. Yeah. Space hugs. Astral jackets, um, baby. And Bill, thank you for coming back. Oh, it's my um, pleasure. It's shun.net with like three N's in a row, right? <laughs> two N's, two N's with a, or three N's with a dot somewhere in the middle. Yeah. <laughs> um, check out some award winning or not award winning. I mean, who, who knows? Who knows? But there's always an award a, br- always a bridesmaid, never somewhere. a bride. And what? And you're doing something interesting on is it? Substack yeah, I've got a. It? I've I'm serializing a novel right now on on Substack. Uh, I've got a regular uh, free newsletter on Substack where I try to post an essay every week. Um, but if you subscribe to my Substack, which right now is forty percent off, only eighteen dollars a year, uh, you can read my uh, serialized young adult science fantasy coming of age novel, Root, chapter by chapter, for the rest of the year. Was that like a word cloud? Uh, my young, my young adult coming of age. Yes. <laughs> that's no, but that ticks all the pictures. That is a Netflix category. You like young adult science fiction coming of age movies, and you should like exactly. Um, fantastic. Thank you very much for coming on and sharing your thoughts with us, Emily. I've never asked you. Is there anything you want me to want, want to shout out I, to? I, I mean, I, I don't know. I'm a I'm a librarian. I don't I don't really. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> you're not a librarian you're a regular member of temporary fandoms and that is what is important emily no doubt you will be back 
probably within two months and we look forward to having you back as always um finally i just want to uh, say thanks to style pilsen and taiko taiko for the awesome theme music thanks to everybody here catch you later bye 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 bye, bye. <laughs>